Welcome. This is the Skins Podcast produced by the Facade Tectonics Institute. With industry thought and practice leaders, we take on all things building skin. This year, we are featuring architects, developers, and others in the AEC industry to explore how they design and facilitate building equity in its physical form. I am your host, Damali Lawrence, an architect at Perkins and Will. Our guest today is Juan Gabriel Moreno of Juan Gabriel Moreno Architects, aka JGMA in Chicago, Illinois. Today, Juan will be speaking with us about how he and his team design and how they ensure the execution of equity in its various forms is embedded in their practice. Thank you, Juan, for being with us today. We appreciate your time and your voice. My pleasure, Damali. Just thrilled, honored that we've uh, connected, that you reached out to us to hear more about our firm. So thank you. Thank you for making the time for me as well. Thank you. And we're going to go ahead and jump right in. Can you tell a little bit, tell us a little bit about yourself? Why architecture? Why Chicago? So I was born in Bogota, Colombia. My family immigrated to the United States in my youth and the West Coast. And it's there that, um, as I like to say, architecture found me. So I, I can remember taking a trip to the Salt Salk Institute. It was the first time that I can say that I felt architecture and had an emotional reaction to space and place. And um, once you feel that, I think I would say I'm an addict for life. The road to Chicago, uh, everybody has a journey, right? My journey was one that um, led me in my studies to Florence, Italy. The idea of feeling like you were in a real city, it kind of stuck with me. And then I think serendipity plays a role. And um, now going on 24 years, I was uh, given an opportunity to work in Chicago. So it's been home since then. Okay. And so playing on the idea of feeling architecture today, as you practice, how do you think that you or how do you want your work specifically in the setting of Chicago to evoke the, the feeling when someone encounters it from the outside of the building, specifically to facades or within the building? Like what's your design philosophy evoking feeling, making sure that the user feels engaged in your work? I, I, I think that's really a fascinating perspective because I don't think I've ever connected the way that I work with my kind of introduction to architecture, right? And the, the notion that you could feel something, but without a doubt, it, um, it impacts the way I think because, you know, most of our work are in disadvantaged communities, communities of color, areas of Chicago that have, you know, lived through disinvestment for decades. And so when these communities are given something new, it's monumental, right? Just the fact that they're receiving a building, it could be a school, it could be affordable housing, it could be a community center, it could be a library. For me, it's important that, and fundamentally important, that they feel like they've received this gift that makes them feel special, makes them feel like they belong. And I'll also add something that happens to Chicago is that in these communities, a lot of the youth 
even though they're in the city limits, don't feel like they're part of Chicago. So I think there is this part of the work that we do that tries to underscore that Chicagoans, and in particular the youth, are really our future. And if we don't allow them through architecture feel like they belong, then we've done it wrong. And so I want the spaces that we create, both on the outside and inside, to be memorable. I, I think there's a component to this that they've been forgotten for so long. And I also think that when somebody visits a neighborhood, let's say they've never gone to that neighborhood before, right? They may have a certain stereotype, negative connotation, but something really interesting can happen. They'll drive by a building that's talking to them and provokes emotions intentionally. And that's what I want our work to do. You know, when, when you go by it, I want emotional reaction. I want you to look twice, not just at the building, but that community, right? And, and look at it in a positive light so that whatever you thought you were driving into or walking into or taking public transportation into, um, look a little deeper because you're probably going to see some good where you probably thought there wasn't before. Yep. I, I agree with that. And I think that a lot of us in our practice are striving for that way to evoke feeling in our work and, and tying it back to what you were saying about when you went to the Salk Institute as a child for the, for the youth in these neighborhoods, but also for the adults. I, I feel like it's it's almost like you want them to experience the same joy that you felt the first time you went to that space, right? You're like, this is a space where I belong and I can engage. And I think that for what we do as architects, designers, however we work in the industry, whether we're the person installing the steel, pouring the concrete, we should we kind of want to have some tie back to to that work and and what that work means to us, but what that work means to the people who are going to encounter the work. Would you say that's a fair assessment? I think it really is. Um, I think there in that is this great common denominator of architecture, whether you're an architect or not, is that um, architecture has an innate ability to make people feel something when done the right way. And, um, you know, we, we're we put in positions, let's say we're, we're working on schools, an elementary school. In uh, again, in this particular case, we have a project that was done in a Latino community and an attendance rates for this elementary school are low. You know, um, it is a challenge in our city, right? Where um, Latino youth that come from families that are working class, it's about just working hard. The harder you work, that's really how you survive, right? Yet, sometimes education's compromised in that and that education is this powerful tool to break the cycle of poverty and so but you have to go to school right but what happens when you start to think about place and space that makes the youth excited about wanting to be there that they walk into a school and they feel good and we have one where you know the data supports um, they've, and we've had this school for probably open for the last 10 years and the attendance rates are at 98, 99%. Like 
kids want to be there. But that's that's what architecture can do when it's done right, the right way, right? And and as I like to say, because the, the, when this school was first complete, there were you know critics that say it doesn't look like a Chicago public school. And I was always respond with, thank you. That was the intent, right? Because last thing I want is to create something that makes them feel imprisoned because I felt like that's the direction that school design was going. Um, and, but I just tell people, you know, as in any art form, we're going to react and like or dislike, but don't lose sight of the data. And the data suggests that uh, factually that there's something right about the way that building was done that the youth want to be there. And then that's what I care about the most. So, so then expanding on that. So our podcast is called, is called skins and we're obviously focused on building skins, but if we zoom back out of your work and, and look at the forms that you created with buildings, such as the Northeastern Illinois university, El Centro, um, SOS village, Delhi, is it Delhi college of manufacturing and technology and engineering, and we want to make sure that the people who these buildings service, um, they they feel these forms and the expression of these of these forms. How do you and your team ensure that the projects? Because we all know what happens. Value engineering is part of the work that we do. How do you how do you make sure that your team is invested in making sure that even if there is some value engineering, um, and the the persons who will be doing the work are contractors and the the foremen on site and the people actually doing the actual labor. How do you make sure they're all invested so that you get you, I guess, and your team get the product that they want for the users? That's a very long-winded question, but <laughs> I'm sure. A, a long-winded, but a damn good one. And one that is not been easily solved, to be quite honest. I've always been of the belief when selecting the architecture firm, when selecting the general contractor, that I always tell our clients, please, please, please do it from day one. Don't wait till drawings have moved forward because in community-based work, you need to make sure that everybody's buying into the mission from day one. That, you know, these ideas that are being generated are ideas that are created by the greater whole. And we're trying to achieve something more. And part of it too, it requires more energy. And you have to invest of yourself more, which means everybody else, the general contractors, the trades, it's gonna require more because it's purpose. And there's a reason why. And yeah, you know, there is a challenge when there are, you know, project partners that don't buy into the mission. And um, it just becomes, you know, an Excel spreadsheet to them. And that's painful for us. It's a very, very painful existence. So we try to find ways to create the bonds early on in the process, because I think that makes for more successful projects. And it's, you know, you're putting less of the light on just the architects and now talking about the broader project team, which I think is absolutely critical to success. And I think it's also our responsibility as architects to, you know, put forth ideas and or disciplines 
In other words, suggest some tradespeople that maybe they've never met before and say they're more invested, they're from the neighborhood, they want to be differentiators and understand that there's a greater purpose. And I think that also has been a successful strategy. And do you think, so we'll playing on that, do you think the forms that you create, because like I said, your work is very sculptural, do you think that people see that as a piece of art within their neighborhood? Like this is a destination point, right? This building becomes something that I want to go to, I feel something, and then they become invested from that side of it as well, the people who are actually building it, in addition to the people who will be using it. One of the more painful aspects for us is that when there are no emotions, no purpose in the projects through the project partners and everything becomes a discussion on an Excel spreadsheet. That is a very, very difficult existence for me and my entire firm because, you know, we are constantly scratching and clawing for ideas, finding project partners that will buy into a greater mission because we are trying to leave this lasting impact. And, um, when we can get away from the spreadsheets and get into the emotion and the purpose and everybody is connected, then you see the work that can be created. Okay. So if we, if we zoom out and we look at, you know, the fact that people are now invested and they, they really want to do this project, do you think that the forums that JGMA creates is something that people look at as a destination point, kind of a landmark in their neighborhood and something somewhere where they want to go? Is that what your team is trying to do to say, like, this, this neighborhood has value, these people have value, and we want to give them something sculptural, sculptural and evocative so that, just like you said in the beginning, even the persons who probably have a negative connotation of the building, if they're driving by, they stop and think, wow, this is a piece of art in this neighborhood. This is somewhere maybe I want to learn more about. Is that something that your team thinks about during the design process? I think absolutely. But I think more than anything else that what we're leaving behind is memorable. And there are many dominoes that play out in that, right? When we create work that's intentionally memorable, and I think the most important part of that is that the communities feel like it's theirs, and it is theirs. So at times we get critiques like, oh, why are you gonna do that? People are just gonna tag it with graffiti. Well, something really interesting happens when a community feels like it's theirs, and Everybody is surprised how it's all self-protecting. So there's this beautiful kind of ownership that takes place. And that's when you know that there's this, or as we like to say, it's in Spanish, un orgullo. It's theirs. It's their pride and joy. And that's like the greatest gift we can leave behind, right? But I also think like there's, there's aspects to that that create this terrific momentum you know if it's if we're creating a community health clinic right and we did this wonderful one in a neighborhood called brighton park esperanza where in this unique time that we've all lived through through the pandemic where medical professionals we need them right we need them to get excited about that career that has just gone through so much here that clinic was getting thousands, and I'm not exaggerating, 
of phone calls about possible employment. So you can, you know, even get people excited about their career path, right? And I think that's incredibly important. And then, you know, there's other scenarios when, you know, Chicago is this international destination. It's a destination that architects come to or visitors to see architecture. And um, the communities that we work in aren't on their map. You know, when they go to the Chicago Architecture Center, some of the buildings just aren't even on the list, right? But yet, those that look up Arc Daily, they'll see these gems, right? And then all of a sudden they find, wow, there's a way to get to those buildings. So now these neighborhoods are seeing people coming by that they weren't expecting. And they're international travelers to Chicago that are going to our neighborhoods and getting to know them. And there's this wonderful other domino that falls that there's just more people in the neighborhood, more activity, more positivity. So another restaurant pops up or a cafe. And so I think there's just these other aspects of creating, coming all the way back to your question, memory in a positive sense that um, start to create this transformation, right? That all we were were the seed, right? But there's so many other aspects of life that are needed to really create change. But I think, you know, by instilling memory, then the others are possible. Okay. So then if we're playing on that idea of memory and these gems that you speak about creating on JGMA's website, you guys talk about manipulation of space and materiality and how it, it is important in the product that you deliver. What are your thoughts on, on how you, the materials that you use are expressed in terms of equity and how do you want those materials that you choose to be, I guess, used to evoke equity, if that's something that you guys are thinking about. Meaning, you know, if you're saying, hey, we want to really use these, these, you know, masonry, right? Because it's important that our buildings are enduring and it gives a sense of, of place and, and space and how you manipulate these different materials to create something where we know the exterior is important, but it becomes a gem, like you're saying, and, and that gem now translates into an economic driver. I think the best example, like most tangible example that I can give you, and it all comes back to just like how you work with people. As an architect that is devoted to community, one of the saddest things that happens is that we will go into a community where the community has never met an architect in their lives. It's a sad statement in many ways, but grateful that I can break that, right? At least help. And so we worked on an affordable housing project called the Clio Arts Residences in an African-American community in Chicago called Washington Park. We started the process of community engagement by telling the developers that we wanna come get to know the community. And they're like, why? And there wasn't anything like that they were saying that was negative. And I just made the statement because I don't want to create a housing project for me. I want to understand how the individuals that live in that community day in, day out live. What is the reality of life there, right? 
And so because it was going to be affordable housing for artists, we started meeting with some of the artists. I also share with people, you know, the best ideas for architects don't always happen in the studio. It's when you're out listening, when you're out engaging. And um, so we were meeting with the artists and uh, asking about how do you live? It was fascinating, the experience to talk about they were in the, it just happened to be in this, this room that we were in. It just had a little punched window on a brick wall. And they looked at the window and said, why is that all I get from Mother Nature? I, this was powerful. And then I just, it, it caused a reaction in me that, what's well, interesting, you can, you know, work on an apartment building, let's say in downtown, right? And you can be told by a general contractor, I'll go with the window wall system on the outside. We're just gonna stack that thing all the way up. It's the cheapest way to do it. You change the narrative to affordable housing in a, in a neighborhood of color, and now the window's the most expensive thing. Talk about equity there. Then we dig deeper to understand what the artists are looking for is a place that they can work and live and where mother nature's their friend, where they can see their artwork in the most purest form. That's what they were asking for, right? And so with that gave birth to this exploration of what is light? Well, it's clear and it's glass, but then as you start to explore other arenas, there's frosted, there's polycarbonate. And then we ended up, you know, arriving at a scheme that was both polycarbonate and clear. And um, it it's not something we would have thought about walking into that project if we hadn't met with the community. And there are other aspects, you know, like where on the interior and the quality of living, they would say to me, because it's usually the architect making this statement, they'd say, Juan, just please, please, please. I don't give a damn about granite countertops and stainless steel appliances. I was like, oh, I love you. <laughs> and it was just all the singular focus was not, you know, ironically, not on materiality or material goods. It was quality of their living environment. Those are how we arrive at that by asking interacting, listening. And I, it's worth repeating when, when you're a good listener and you really sincerely want to hear from the community, your eyes will be open to the potential of ideas. Then I'm going to pick on that next, right? So okay. it's the listening aspect that you're talking about because it's critical to what we do, right? If we don't listen, we can deliver something. It doesn't mean that's what the client needs or, or wants. But the other aspect of what you're talking about in terms of the window, right? And in the affordable housing project, if the client is saying, is that all we get? How does your team take where we are right now in the world that we live in? Let's say you said mother nature. Well, mother nature is quite upset with us right now. And we as designers, architects, people in the AEC industry have to respond to that. So can you tell us more about how your work tries to 
respond to Mother Nature in a way that is least harmful, but also making sure that the user is protected, right, when they're within your facilities. Because let's face it, between the tornadoes and the the earthquakes caused by fracking, there's just so many things going on, atmospheric rivers. Like I feel like every day there's, there's something else that I'm learning about meteorology that I didn't know about, which I love science, but I'm also like, you know, I really don't want to spend a lot of, you know, I'm in Dallas, Texas. I don't want to spend a lot of time hiding in my door frame from tornadoes. So if you can tell us a little bit about how you guys work with Mother Nature. Yeah, I think that's an important question because I don't want those listening to think that when we talk about, you know, our projects in a sculptural sense or a memorable sense, that they're absent of thinking about the environment because they're not. And actually, it is the environment that adds the next layer of thought and purpose. So that same project I just told you about, the Clio Arch Residences, yeah, in theory, it would have been great to do building all sides with polycarbonate and call it a day, right? No, it wouldn't work. We couldn't pull that off on the south facade. You can't pull it off on the west facade because people are going to bake inside. So we recognize that the majority of the facades on the north and the east were most appropriate. And so you can be in one of the units on the north side and be in there during the day. The quality of light is so spectacular. There's not a single light on inside the apartment. The quality of the space is just incredible. So then, okay, the obvious is we're reducing energy costs, right? We're also, and I call this an important facet of sustainability, and it's financial sustainability, we're reducing the energy bills for the residents. Which is important. So like which is important. So like that starts to add another later, but then we can take it all the way to, you had mentioned, and, and thankfully the, the Northeastern University El Centro project. So here's a project where essentially it's a glass skin, and it's a glass skin with fins on the outside. Those, those fins are intentionally two-sided in color, yellow on one side, blue on the other. It's as simple as it's the university, right? And um, it sits next to the, the most traveled expressway in Chicago that leads you from O'Hare Airport to downtown. So everybody sees this building. Half million people in, half people out per day. It comes back to memory, right? I wanted people on the way in to see the yellow. On the way out, they see the blue. So at the beginning of the day and the end of the day when they go home, they have El Centro on their mind. That's intentional. But what I don't want people to think that that's all it is. Because in that investigation, that those fins are canted. And they're canted at an angle that allows the sun to penetrate that glass facade during the winter and it intentionally warms up the interior, but during the summer, it blocks the sun. So it becomes a veil on the facade that is, yes, both sculptural, but intentional. And that is critical to the way we think. And in that project, that same project, it's a academic building, classrooms, but it's not a project with a double loaded corridor in the center. It's actually a single loaded corridor around the exterior so that the way we condition that corridor is different than the way we condition the classroom. 
because it's the classroom where they spend most of the time. And it's okay if the quarter stays warmer and we're investing less energy in that space compared to the classroom space. So there's an intentionality even in our planning in the way we think about organizing spaces and not, you know, I hate this, but when you just default to a plan because that's the way everybody does it. No, this, um, I mean, hearing you speak, I know everyone obviously is listening to this podcast and they can't see you, but I'm, I'm watching your face as we speak. And I love that you are so invested in your work and I mean, passionate is kind of an overrated word, but I'm going to say passionate about it because I think you're very thoughtful in how you speak about your work because you want the user and the people who are working with us on these projects to to be just as invested as you and your team are. Um, but time is time. <laughs> so we're going to start to wrap up. And I have a last question for you. And it's a choose your own adventure question. So you, you can pick which route you want to go. Um, so you can tell us about something that you're reading or listening to that you think the our listeners should seek out and do a little investigation on by themselves. Or you can tell us how your skin relates to skin in the built environment. Huh. Pick the last one. I, <laughs> I you know, I, I am going to pick the last one. <laughs> um, what, what I love about that question that you're asking me about my skin is that um, don't let the skin deceive you. And don't judge it based on the color that you see. So in my particular case, those listening, they heard my name, Juan Gabriel Moreno, right? They're going to say, oh, that guy's Latino in name. Then they're going to hear me speak. They're going to say, oh, he doesn't speak with a Spanish accent, right? But I'm 100% Colombian. I am an immigrant. But somebody may look at me and say, oh, you look like an American. In that conversation about my skin, my heritage, don't allow that to put me in a bucket of what I can or I can't do. Look beyond my skin look more profoundly into who I am. Yeah, I'll always proudly talk about my heritage, but look deeper in me. And if you do, within me or like anybody else, if you look more profoundly, you may just give somebody a chance that you never thought you'd give a chance to. And I think that's what I always ask, right? Um, as we talk to people about our work and just potential and opportunities is that just look more profoundly at human beings. And I think we'll just have a better place. No, that's everyone can't see me, but I'm like cheering in the back on the back side of this. Um, <laughs> I, I'm glad you took the second, the second question. Um, and I want to thank you for taking the time to do this interview with us. I think it's, it's quite important to hear from architects who are really trying to capture what it means to build equity. It's very important. We love buzzwords, right? In America, we love them. Diversity, da, 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 all these words, but it's a matter of how do we actually practice that in the physical form because that's the environment that we design and we ourselves um, encounter every day. So what we 
design we will encounter and what we design for others we will encounter and it becomes so critical and so important to what we do and how we can actually start to shape our environment and i just want to thank you so much for this it was a great interview yeah grateful to you 